Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Connect on blogtalkradio.com. Catch us on the web at umconnect.info. Well, welcome to this episode of Connect. I'm Michael Rich, the Web and Communications Manager for the Western North Carolina Conference. And today's guest is Reverend Dan Wunderlich from Athens, Georgia. He's under appointment in the Florida Conference. And we were introduced to each other by Bishop Ken Carter several weeks ago. Uh, through a Skype call here at Lake Genalusco while Bishop Carter was on vacation. Um, Dan has this unique appointment doing digital ministry, and we're going to find out more about that today and find out more about his life and his call. So welcome to the show, Dan. Thanks so much, Michael. I'm glad to be here. So uh, we're on um, Internet phones today talking on Internet radio. And so just to get into some questions, um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit about your background. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? That kind of thing. Sure. I was born in St. Petersburg, Florida, and we moved over to Orlando about a year and a half, two years later. So I don't really remember much about St. Pete. So I was really uh, raised in Orlando, southeast Orlando, kind of out by UCF and the airport and was mm-hmm. raised in the United Methodist Church. We attended Azalea Park United Methodist Church, and then later Conway United Methodist Church. Uh, went to Winter Park High School uh, for the International Baccalaureate Program, and then ended up at the University of Florida, where I studied advertising, but I spent most of my time uh, working at University United Methodist Church and Student Center, which was the home of the Wesley Foundation in Gainesville. Uh, it's now okay. a standalone campus ministry known as the Gator Wesley Foundation. Um, but uh, I, I have Methodist roots in my family. I have family members who were clergy, and, and many people in our family attend the Methodist Church. And so I was born and raised in the Methodist Church, born and raised a Gator, and those things overlapped uh, at the Gator Wesley Foundation in Gainesville, and that's really where um, I, I uh, finally started listening, I think, to my call to ministry. Okay, well, tell us a little bit about that call. Uh, you were working there, and you know, we actually have a, a number of people uh, that came out of Gator uh, Wesley uh, here in the uh, Western North Carolina Conference, Kim Ingram being one, uh, um, uh, Lonnie Pittman, you know, a number of people that went through that, uh, and it's all uh, been good. But tell us about your specific call there. Sure. Well, I uh, was recommended to to check out the place right the week before I went to college, and I got there, and I said, well, I'll check it out, you know, because I was told to go there, but I'm going to check out a lot of different churches. Uh, But I went that first week and felt so welcomed, uh, and it felt so much like home to me that I never ended up checking out any other place. And uh, I ended up joining the Upper Room staff, which is the student leadership team that uh, lives on site there. Uh, I was in the old building. If you go now, there's a brand new spiffy building that's about maybe five or six years old, but I was there in the old facilities. I lived on staff. I worked there. My degree was in advertising, but by the end of my senior year, uh, or really halfway through my senior year, Christmas break, I realized that uh, while I had been succeeding in all of my classes, I was spending all of my free time uh, at the campus ministry. I wasn't really involved in any extracurricular activities in the field of advertising. I had done mm-hmm. an internship at Relevant Magazine um, in advertising, but that was about it. I didn't have any inroads to advertising agencies and kind of hit me there, you know, that last semester when all of the 
the seniors start to, to get really nervous. And I know this because I ended up working at uh, Gator Wesley on pastoral staff for six years. When you get to January of your senior year and it suddenly becomes real that you'll be leaving college, you have to really figure out what you're doing next. Uh, and so January mm-hmm. of my senior year, um, I, I really started to pay attention and answer my call to ministry, but it had really been there throughout my entire life. You know, the, the story goes well before that, as I mentioned, I've had family members that have been clergy. Uh, my parents uh, uh, prayed for me and, and put me in United Methodist churches and youth groups. And um, like I said, I worked at the Wesley Foundation. And what it didn't really compute to me at the time is that I wasn't really sure that I wanted to be a local church pastor, but I really enjoyed what we were doing at the campus ministry. Uh, and, and I went on a retreat in January of my senior year and was in a big arena with a bunch of college students worshiping and listening to preaching. And I just got this sense that God was saying to me, if this is what you want to do, I'll let you do this. Uh, and mm. I, and I kind of wrestled with it and I see, you know, I don't have any money. I, I don't, I've visited seminaries, but they're really expensive um, I'm not sure what to do. And I just got the sense of just trust God, you know, put your faith out there, see what you can do. And, and thankfully between, um, you know, God's blessing and also the hard work that I'd done academically, I got, uh, a scholarship that allowed me to go to seminary. And so, um, I started, uh, going to seminary. I went to Asbury's Orlando campus. It was a commuter campus that allowed me to work at Gator Wesley on pastoral and ministry staff started as an intern and then later one of the directors and then would go back and forth between Gainesville and Orlando doing classes from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. one day a week and more classes online. And, and it allowed me to, to work in campus ministry while I did my seminary. Um, and I, that's really where I got the, um, the, the love and commitment to helping the church reach uh, emerging generations is kind of a buzz term now, but you know, Mm -hmm. young adults, we're always drawn to ministering to people our age. And so at the time I was a young adult and and sort of still am, I guess I've got two years left as young clergy uh, (laughs) in Florida. And uh, so that's kind of the road that I took to get to uh, where I was when I was uh, commissioned uh, as, uh, and then served, continued to serve in campus ministry. Okay, so how many years total now uh, did you work at um, Gator Wesley? I worked at Gator Wesley for six years. Um, okay. Like I said, not all of them were under appointment, but I did finish there under appointment. Uh, and then uh, I moved to a, a two-point charge, uh, one church in Gainesville and one church uh, in McIntosh, Florida, which is a, a town about 20 minutes south of Gainesville. My wife was finishing up her PhD at the University of Florida, and so geographically it made sense for me to stay in the area. So I did get time in uh, the local church and served for two years in the local church. And then uh, my wife was hired by the University of Georgia, which is what brought us up here to Athens and what sort of uh, gave uh, the practical birth to the extension ministry that I'm serving in now. Okay. And so how long have you now been in this extension ministry? I guess now it would be about 13 months. It was it was last summer that uh, it became my full-time appointment. I began at once I knew that we would be making the move and that I, I would need to to pitch this idea. Uh, I began the blog and began some of the ministry online uh, during the last six months of my appointment so that I would have sort of a track record to show both my district superintendent uh, and Bishop Carter uh, and I guess also the Board of Ordained Ministry to pitch to them this being an appointment because it is fairly unique. Um, it's an oh, extension no ministry. It's, it's perhaps something that maybe would uh, 
potentially be seen as the work of the deacon extending the church into the world. Uh, but really, I see myself as, as resourcing ministry leaders and organizations. Sort of my mission statement is that um, I encourage and equip fellow ministry leaders in the areas of worship, communication, and creativity. Uh, and uh, really, the story goes back to um, serving in campus ministry, both as a student leader and then on pastoral staff. I, being mm-hmm. an advertising major, I, I was really drawn to the design side of things. And I was always uh, drawing and doodling growing up as a kid and was really creative and drawn to music. And then when we, when I, I just happened to start being a student leader in campus ministry around the time when churches and ministries needed websites. And so I started to learn uh, how to take my design skills and apply them to uh, websites. And then of course, social media sprang up. It, it, Facebook seems like it's been around forever, but it started when I was in college. And so I joined Facebook back when you actually had to have a, a .edu email address and it was only opened right. up to certain campuses at a time. And so I remember when it came to the University of Florida, and so we joined it. Uh, and, and then, of course, it became a, became a platform for ministry. And so in a lot of ways, uh, my call to digital ministry has been uh, sort of like the people that were on the ground floor of computing back when it was starting uh, a couple mm-hmm. of decades ago. I, I just sort of was learning it as we went along and have followed the progression of it as a ministry tool. Very cool. Yeah, so um, tell tell the audience a little bit about your ministry. Um, make sure and uh, tell us about your uh, website and your blog, and um, how do you connect with churches, and what are the kinds of things that you are doing with churches beyond the websites, beyond Facebook, those kinds of things? Yeah, sure. Um, you can find out uh, w- most of what I do at defininggrace.com, uh, and there are sort of three components to the ministry that I do. The first is the blog, and it's uh, weekly posts about worship creativity and communication. You'll find both uh, sometimes studies of upcoming scriptures in the lectionary, but you'll also find practical tips about social media coming up. I've got a post about how to specifically coordinate your Instagram stories and Snapchat, since they're practically the same thing. You can uh, save time if you can figure out how to post the exact same thing to both places. And so I teach you how to do that. Um, I've had studies or, or a series of blog posts on, on simple branding for churches, have also written about uh, how to do your church announcements better. So any, anything from uh, preaching to websites to social media, I write about those kinds of things. And then I also host a podcast called Art of the Sermon. Uh, you can find that also at defininggrace.com or artofthesermon.com. They all redirect to the same place. And that is about uh, preaching and communication. And I interview both um, pastors and non-pastors. And uh, I know we'll be talking a little bit about the podcast in the second half of the show. And so I'll leave that there. And then the third part is that um, I do uh, practical training, teaching and coaching work, either uh, one-on-one with pastors or with ministry organizations, or um, I'm available to come to conferences, both uh, event conferences and also uh, UMC conferences. Uh, In the spring, I'll be teaching the pastors in the North Carolina conference. They have days of learning and I'll be uh, there for two of them in the spring to teach them uh, how to better use and understand social media and online ministry. So uh, whether you need uh, help or coaching with preaching, you need someone just to sort of listen and give you feedback, or you need uh, training in social media, uh, uh, an audit of your church website or church communications, my goal is to help ministry leaders and organizations uh, communicate better so that they can better connect with their communities. 
That sounds great. Well, why don't we take a break right now? This is a good breaking spot, and then we'll come back and talk more about the podcast and get in-depth with some of the, the things that you're doing. So here's a word from the Western North Carolina Conference. Hi, I'm Liz Bichelle, video coordinator for the Western North Carolina Conference. While my responsibilities include coordinating videos and recording audio, other members of the systems and communications team work with databases and computers. Other departments at the conference deal with finances, and others help build vital churches and assist in clergy. While each one of us at the conference staff have differing gifts and skills, we all work together for one mission, to follow Jesus, make disciples, and transform the world. The United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina is a ministry of the church for the church whose mission is to build a church for generations to come. We fulfill this vision by investing in people as well as helping churches and related institutions invest the financial resources that God has given to them. My name is David Snipes and we look forward to the day when you give your United Methodist Foundation a call. You can find out more about the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina at the sponsor page on our show's website, umconnect.info. And so we're back with Dan Wunderlich uh, from Athens, Georgia, a clergy member of the Florida Conference. And uh, so in the first half of the show, we talked uh, sort of generally about his ministry, how he came to it. Uh, we're going to talk some, some specifics now. So, um, you got into uh, your podcast earlier, The Art of the Sermon. Um, talk about some of the people you've interviewed. Uh, what have you learned from uh, from doing this? Well, I started – I knew that I wanted to start a podcast, and then I had to ask myself what would I really enjoy talking about, interviewing folks about, learning about for the next couple of years. And sermons and preaching were the first thing that came to mind. It's my favorite part of ministry. Uh, I am significantly more comfortable uh, preaching uh, to a large group of people than I am leading a small group discussion. It's just sort of the way that, that I'm wired. I really enjoy that uh, responsibility, and I really enjoy the experience of it. Uh, and I also am uh, very passionate about learning from all different types of preaching. Uh, and so, you know, the first thing I want to say is, is we interview both pastors and non-pastors. We, uh, on the pro I say we, it's really me uh, in the spare bedroom of the house that I rent here in Athens. But that's the amazing thing about podcasting is that you can really do it from anywhere. And so I, I try to interview pastors who um, have unique perspectives and, and uh, interesting ideas on preaching. But then there's also plenty of folks outside the realm of ministry who understand communication and how to get across complex ideas and how to connect with audiences. And so I, I try to interview a mix of folks. And so on the ministry side, our very first episode was with McGray de Vega, who's the senior pastor at Hyde Park. United Methodist Church in Tampa, which is a church you may have heard of. Uh, it's oh, sure. uh, Jim Harnish's uh, former church. And uh, McGray is also one of the writers behind the Covenant uh, Bible Study. And he's got a couple new books out, including one out, I think, next week on Advent. And he was our first guest uh, about a year ago. The show launched in November of 2015. And he talked to us about preaching Advent. And so uh, this time of year is a good time to start figuring out what you're doing for Advent if you haven't already. So go back to episode one. That's a really helpful one. Uh, we've also interviewed other, I started really with pastors who already had podcasts because I figured they would understand what I was asking for when I was asking for a guest. So I interviewed Chad Brooks, who hosts the Productive Pastor podcast and the Threshing Floor mm -hmm. podcast. I also had the guys from the Pulpit Fiction podcast 
uh, Rob and Eric. And so started there and then began to branch out and have had the opportunity to interview other pastors. Uh, uh, upcoming guest is Bishop Ken Carter, the uh, my bishop and your friend who connected us. We also have George Acevedo from the Florida Conference who will be up uh, in a month or two. Uh, and then I've also had some ministry leaders who are in pastoral roles who aren't necessarily elders. Uh, Derek Scott III, who's a campus minister in Florida. We talked to him about his call to ministry and specifically call to ministry as a layperson. And uh, coming up also later this fall, we'll talk to Melissa Cooper about multi-generational ministry and how to make worship a space that is welcoming and engaging for people of all ages. And so that's sort of the ministry side of things. But then, oh, and then also uh, Adam Weber, pastor of the fastest growing United Methodist Church, Embrace uh, Church. And, and he was with us a month or two ago and talked about the role that preaching plays in, in a growing church. So that was exciting. And then, of course, um, probably the guest who most people would recognize would be Rob Bell. Um, I had Rob on the, the show when his new book, How to Be Here, came out. Uh, and then a week ago, uh, I was able to interview and put out an episode with Leslie Jordan of All Sons and Daughters. They have a new worship album that just came out, and we talked to her about the relationship between worship leaders and pastors and, and what do worship leaders, uh, you know, what would be helpful for a pastor to do for a worship leader or staff, and then talked about her love for the local church and the new project that they just put out. Um, and then in about a week, we've got an interview with Science Mike, Mike McHarg, who uh, is the co-host of the Liturgist podcast, which is a podcast uh, that's really, really resonating with young people of faith uh, who mm. uh, are not afraid to express doubts uh, and not afraid to struggle with uh, the understandings of God and Jesus and church and the religion. Um, and he has a new book called Finding God in the Waves coming out. And so I interviewed him. Uh, and it's also interesting. He uh, was uh, born and raised and was a leader in the Southern Baptist Church and uh, became an atheist and left faith and ended up rediscovering faith and coming back to it. And as he's come back to faith, he's become United Methodist. And so he shares podcasts some about what it was about the United Methodist Church, uh, both his specific local church and United Methodist uh, or United Methodism in general that attracted him. So, uh, and then um, last month we also had Sarah Green Carmichael, who's a senior editor at Harvard Business Review. So we've had a wide, wide, wide range of guests. Yeah, sounds like it. And um, just so that people that are listening right now can uh, hear, um, where do you go go to find those podcasts? You can go to artofthesermon.com, and there are links then to find it on iTunes, uh, or you can just go to your podcast app and search for Art of the Sermon. It's also on Google Play Music, uh, Stitcher Radio, um, but the easiest way to, would be to go to artofthesermon.com, and there are links there to follow. Or you can listen to the shows. They're embedded right in the show notes. Excellent. Yeah, so I, I've listened to bits and pieces of a few of them, and um, let's just talk a little bit about um, how do you go about doing a podcast? You and I are both doing them. Um, let's tell the public, uh, if sure. you wanted to do a show, how, how do you make that happen? Well, I, I kind of joke that uh, just like there is the Catholic Church and then a thousand Protestant denominations, there's sort of two branches of podcasting in the Christian world, and that is sermon podcasts and then everything else. And so uh, if you want to podcast your sermons, and that actually uh, is the reason that the Christian area of podcasting is the largest category in the iTunes podcasting store. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, Christianity is the biggest category because of the sheer number of sermon podcasts. And so 
Uh, you know, there's so, sort of different equipment that you need for both. Uh, some of the equipment overlaps, but if you want to put out your sermons as a podcast, the biggest thing is find a way to record a, a good sounding you know, capture of your sermon on Sunday morning. And then you need a simple audio editing program to maybe clean it up, chop out the parts at the beginning where you're sort of rambling about the announcements for your church, and then maybe drop an intro and an outro on it, save it as an MP3, and then you can upload it to a host. Uh, I currently use Libsyn. Um, I've also signed up for a beta to, uh, to look at a new platform called Fireside from mm-hmm. uh, Dan Benjamin and the 5 by 5 Podcasting Network. But you just need to find a podcast host. There's, there's lots of different ones out there, and Libsyn is great. Uh, if you want to do a show like this, uh, you're going to need, obviously, probably a different kind of microphone. You could use maybe the lapel microphone that you use on a Sunday morning, but you need just basically a way to capture sound. And if you want to interview guests like this, you have to uh, find a way to be able to record uh, either over the phone like this or via Skype or uh, get a couple of microphones and interview folks in person. But the the biggest thing is just learn your way around a simple audio editing program, uh, be able to capture decent quality audio and then find a podcast host. Yeah. Uh, And there are a lot of them out there. Um, And I I settled with blogtalk.com. That was about two years ago. And since then, there have been any number of uh, groups that have come forward to do the exact same thing. So uh, I would just say make sure that uh, you check what's available. There is plenty out there Um, at my church. Yeah, and there are new services starting soon where folks can um, essentially call into a website and record a double-sided conversation right in your browser window. And so new tools are being built all the time. Podcasting has really blown up thanks to the Serial podcast uh, about two years ago. And uh, folks were able to see that there was a desire for audio content and that there are enough listeners to support it commercially. And so uh, the podcasting space has really changed a lot over the last couple of years. You are less likely to find yourself you know, on the front page of the iTunes store uh, since so many large media companies have jumped into the space now. Uh, but I will right. share it's, it's, um, it's not um, – a, a Christian podcast, but the um, actually the humanist chaplain at I think it's Harvard uh, and a friend of hers have started a podcast where they go chapter by chapter through the Harry Potter books and essentially practice Lexio Divina on the chapters mm. of the Harry Potter books. And they're now one of the top downloaded podcasts, uh, period. And so if you find the right topic and the right way to approach it and it really connects with people, uh, it doesn't matter who you are, or where you come from. Uh, if it's good content, people will find it. Yeah, that's the case. And I've also found that uh, social media is a big helper um, in the sense that uh, when I have a guest that uh, is big on social media, has a good following, uses it well, um, I can get eight, ten thousand 10,000 listens to a show. And if somebody who doesn't use it so well, uh, you know, it might be in the, the low hundreds. And um, uh, I've had some young clergy, and it tends to be the young clergy that are using uh, social media well. I've had some young clergy that I said, well, that wasn't you know, the greatest conversation we ever had, but it blew up in terms of the numbers of people, and they share it, and it's been shared all around. And you know, I'm seeing you know, listens from all over the country, all over the world on, on some of these podcasts, and uh, it was all because of social media contacts and makes a big and difference. And that, that really – 
that really truly is the crazy part about podcasting and about what technology makes available to us for the realm of ministry. Uh, the art of the sermon, uh, while it is very, I mean, it's like 95% uh, listened to in the United States. It's been downloaded and listened to on every continent uh, of the globe, maybe except Antarctica. That's not included in my, my Libsyn stats, but uh, you know, I don't have a huge following in, in the other continents, but just to see that is, is kind of crazy. And to think that here I am sitting in the guest room of my rented house, you know, recording conversations about preaching and it's being listened to all over the world. Uh, it's, it's something that you certainly dream about when you start a podcast, but you don't really expect to happen. And, and then the tools make it available. So um, I, I'm, I'm really grateful for the support, especially of my friends and family that, that share it and help get the word out about the show. Okay. Well, what do you find as some of the biggest challenges you face in, in doing this kind of work? Because it is different. It is uh, off the grid in terms of what a lot of elders in the church are doing. Um, tell us uh, what, what you see as your challenges. Sure. Probably the biggest uh, challenge for me personally is to try to maintain a focus on my elders' orders and to try to make sure that the work that I'm doing matches up with the things that I have committed to doing and have been called to do. And that doesn't mean that I don't explore new things and take chances, uh, but I do some design work. I've designed logos for churches and help churches with their branding. And, and for me, I, I, can, I can justify that as, as ordering of the church and helping churches connect with their communities. And so doing church logos, helping churches with branding is something that I'm comfortable with. But then I also had a friend that said, hey, you're really good at design. Will you design sermon series bumpers for me? And it's like the, 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 finding the line between you know, helping a church reach its community and then just sort of becoming a design house or becoming a creative agency. That's not really what I am. So finding the way to really balance um, what I'm doing and what I'm teaching with uh, the elders orders, that's really important to me. Uh, and then just secondly, there are so many blogs, you know, it, it seems no like doubt. almost every pastor has a blog uh, almost, you know, there's, there are a thousand sites that do what I do. You know, I do it the way that I do it, and, and I have a unique take on it. Everyone has a unique take on what they do. But there's just so many blogs. There's so many outlets, uh, and pastors only have so much time uh, to read and to check things out. And so, you know, sometimes, like you said, th things will spike, and you're not really sure why. You know, you'll put out a blog post that you think is really great, and it's really practical, and it's going to make a big difference, and, like, nobody reads it. And then there's that one that you kind of wrote really quickly just to get it out for the day, and then it ends up really connecting with folks. And so trying to find a way to, to grab attention, I even though I was an advertising major, it's, it's really, it's harder to promote your own stuff. You know, you really... I'm sure a lot of pastors are, are always struggling with pride. And so you don't really want to say, check me out. I'm an expert. I know what I'm talking about. Uh, but at the same time, I, I believe I can help people. Uh, and so, mm. and so some of the promotional side of things has been the hard thing. The other thing I found is that a lot of pastors, because they see their own social media as ministry to their communities, uh, they don't always share and we retweet things for colleagues. Uh, you know, mm. things get passed around and shared maybe in, in other ways. Uh, I'm in a clergy covenant group and we use uh, Slack to communicate. And so we share podcasts and books and resources with each other. But we don't always retweet and share things on our own social media because we think, well, the people reading this are my church members or my friends and family. And they don't really care about sort of this inside baseball technical stuff. And so mm. uh, finding ways to encourage clergy to share this with their colleagues has also been a large challenge. 
Yeah. But, well, we're getting down to the last couple of minutes of the show. Um, you get the last word. What What do you want people to know about you, about your ministry, about how you can help them uh, out there? This is your two-minute sermon. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, um, I sh- uh, my, my personal sort of mission statement, one of the guiding uh, phrases in my life is that uh, we're not simply stewards of God's creation, but of God's creativity as well. And I'm also drawn to a quote from Steve Jobs where he said, creativity is just connecting things. And so the thing that I want the listeners to hear, especially if you're a ministry leader, uh, whether you're a pastor or you're a church staff member, maybe you're a seminary student, uh, you are a creative person. Even if you are not an artist, uh, even if you're frustrated by every prayer station being finger painting and touching rocks and water, you are a creative person. Uh, and so what I want to do is help you find ways to build that creativity uh, and, and specifically to work on communication. And so whether you need help with preaching or social media or your church website or design or, or any facet of communication, the better we communicate the, the deeper we can connect with our communities. And God used so many channels in the Bible, used so many creative ways, from talking donkeys to stone tablets uh, to angels. God used so many channels, and I believe that we're called to do the same thing. And, and as things continue to progress, uh, as, as social media builds and expands and changes, I, I feel like I am spending the time to stay up on, on how to do these things and what's working so that you can come uh, and read about it and learn it from me. I want to take the time to learn it, and I'll teach it to you. Uh, and, and really, if there's any way that, that I can help with creativity, communication, or worship, those are my passions. Uh, and uh, just uh, go to my website and, and shoot me a message. I'd love to hear from you. Sounds great, Dan. And thanks for being on the show. And uh, thank you, Bishop Carter, for introducing us. Uh, uh, He's been a great friend of this show and uh, always uh, uh, helping me find guests that he finds interesting. So uh, I appreciate your time uh, today, Dan. Yeah, Bishop Carter will be on uh, Art of the Sermon on October 6th, talking about the role that preaching has played in his various uh, stages in ministry. Okay. Well, 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 here we go. Thanks to our sponsors, the Western North Carolina Conference and the United Methodist Foundation of Western North Carolina. You can find out more about them on the sponsors section of the website, umconnect.info. I'm Michael Rich, and you've been listening to Connect.